I just sensed in my spirit, the Lord says, you need to release purpose again because you just talked about vision. Because again, no matter what vision we say, if you don't connect with purpose, you won't follow a vision. If you don't know your purpose, then you're not going to connect with vision. It's just not going to happen. If you do not connect with purpose, you will not do the vision. Amen? All right, so tonight we want to talk, uh, start over in Genesis chapter 37. In Genesis chapter 37, we'll start in chapter 2 and verse 5. This is uh, a very dear word to me uh, because I remember back in um, um, one of our Kingdom Rise conference, it was, may have actually been called uh, by a different name at the time, but um, um, Reverend Billy Joe Watts was with us, and in that meeting, he prophesied over me. And I still have that prophecy. And he looked at me and he says, ooh, boy, he said that. He said, what kind of man are you to walk in the kind of love you're walking in? You're a prince of promise. Man, I'll never forget that. And he began to talk a little bit about some things. I was a man of destiny, a prince of promise. And I knew then, man, he's tapping into this particular individual within the Word of God that's always been alive in me. Uh, his life is alive in me because it is such a great example. Uh, it, it spurs me on to know that if I will identify with my purpose that God has given me, if I will take what God has shown me as my purpose, then nothing can ever stop me from accomplishing it if I will do my part. Amen. Nothing can. And man, if we could get revelation of that, and we get out of victim mentality into victory mentality. We get out of somebody's going to stop me. I can't get somewhere to I can't be stopped because God has spoken something. And who in the world will come against me? In fact, if you do, that's the problem. If God be, then who can be against you, right? So it's very important for us to understand this thing called purpose. But Dr. Miles Monroe said it this way as you're over in Genesis 37, and we'll start in verse 2. But he said it this way. It's more important to know why you were born than to know the fact that you were born. If you don't know uh, your reason for existence, you will begin to experiment with your life. And that's dangerous. That's why some of us, when we look back at our life and we see this track record of sin. Now, for some of us, it's hard to even imagine us doing that way. In fact, you know, uh, some of you, I couldn't even imagine you living that way because you've been living right for so long. But... You know, if you sit there and think about it for a moment, the devil will be more than happy to bring your past up, and he'll let you know how sorry you really were, right? And sometimes, you know, I think you might need to remind yourself before you think too highly of yourself, right? What I mean by too highly is that you don't appreciate and value the things that God's doing and continue to pursue that he's apprehended you out of one existence and put you into another existence. That's what I mean by that, okay? Uh, and so I think it's very important that we all recognize that, man, we were somewhere, but God delivered us, amen? And the reason why we were down those roads is because we just didn't know who we were. I mean, we didn't know our purpose. We didn't know that God had a purpose for our life. I mean, even in the, the simplest of truths, meaning God's purpose was that we would be born again, just that one simple thought that God loved us enough that he died for us, was raised from the dead, poured out his blood on the mercy seat, and he has this purpose that none would perish but that all would come to repentance. We know not everybody accepts Jesus as Lord, but it's been made available for everybody. Amen? 
So we know just in that context, God had a purpose for you that you would not die in your transgression or in your sin or in rebellion to his kingdom and be locked away in prison because you choose prison instead of God. Are you with me? But when we were choosing prison, when we were running down that road, man, we were experimenting. We wanted love, so we went in, in all kind of directions trying to find love. But every end found lust. Right? We were trying to find success, but at the end of each road, even when the money was there, we found failure. We were looking for peace, and every time we ran down somewhere, all we found was uh, um, turmoil and struggle and strife and anxiety. Are you with me? I mean, we were looking for things, but the reality is when Christ found us, because we didn't find him, we weren't looking for him. But when he apprehended us and we heeded a call, Oh, man, then all of a sudden we realize, wow, there's something greater. Now, what's so awesome about the Word of God, when you actually start uh, looking into it, God's purpose is not to take you, out of take you out of earth to heaven. That's something that will take place. God's purpose was to get heaven in you so that you could do something in the earth. He could do it through you. And this man's life proves this out. So in Genesis chapter 37, verse 2, it says this, Joseph was 17 years of age. 17. That's it. 17. 17 years of age. He was 17 years of age, was pastoring the flock with his brothers while he was still a youth, along with the sons of this wife and this wife of his dad. Now, his dad had four wives, so we got some challenges happening. All right? It says, now Israel, who happens to be Jacob, okay, Loved Joseph more than all of his sons because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a very color tunic, or we would say a coat of many colors. And his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all the brothers, so they hated him and could not speak friendly on, uh, could not speak to him on friendly terms. Then Joseph had a dream. Some things we learn from just this passage of Scripture as we begin to look at the life of Joseph is this. Because again, if you're going to follow vision, if you're going to, accomplish vision or the vision the church has for you, you got to find your purpose within that vision. Because God's talking to everybody in this room tonight. In fact, God will speak beyond this room tonight and begin to speak to other people because I believe that there are people that are located in other communities that are not connecting with a vision and God's not obligated to bring a church to your location if he wants you to be in this location to connect with this body that's already started that work. Amen. God's not obligated to bring himself and all the work that you're supposed to do for him to where you're currently located. In fact, Abraham, he says, get up and go to the place I'm going to show you because we ain't going to do the work here. I got another place to do that work. Amen. And there's people right now on planet Earth that should be connected to this vision in St. Augustine. And in order for it to take place, they're going to have to relocate. But here's the thing, if God tells them to do it, then he'll provide. And we've already seen that take place within people's lives already in this church. Amen. Sometimes I feel like I have, the, our congregation is the most um, um, transient type or uh, um, relocated type of congregation. It's like we're getting people from all over the place. Amen. Uh, but that's good news for us because God saw you and he wanted to place you here and do something great. But Joseph, 17 years old on all counts, he's a teenager, right? 
But here's the thing. There's something about what he did up until his 17th year that has caught God's attention. Amen. Now, if this was a youth service right now, I could preach this thing. You hear what I'm saying? Am I talking to any youth today? Well, be young in heart because, you know, your face looks a little bit older. Okay, my point is, is this, is that this guy was able to walk in such a way with God that it caused him to get access to God. Are you with me? Because by all rights, he lived in a dysfunctional family. See, this is a term we use in our, our society today, like, you know, it's some kind of anomaly that, you know, our society's worse off today than it's ever been before. Listen, there's nothing new under the sun. They, this boy, Joseph, was in a dysfunctional family, okay? His dad had four wives. I mean, the wives would bicker over who's going to be with the husband. They would utilize their kids um, uh, working the farm to be able to have favor with the husband. I mean, there's some crazy stuff going on, Okay? Uh, some were upset. One, some couldn't even have children, so they were jealous of ones that could. Some were loved. Other ones weren't loved. This was the environment that they were in. And it bred within the boys, and the boys obviously weren't even full-blood brothers. Uh, they were half-brothers. Some, you know, six were full-blood, and then there were sub two and, uh, um, and um, I think uh, whatever the other number is that gets us to four, two and four, that gets us over two and two. However, it split up. One lady had six. I do know that. And there's 12 trials. But the point is, is that, you know, basically you say, you know, you're only half my brother. I mean, this whole thought process can run rapid. And all of a sudden, you know, they can start taking sides because, you know, this is my brother and he's my mama and that's your mama. And there's all kinds in the home. Yeah. Now, Joseph obviously lived in such a way that dad because of his older age, but more than just that, and we'll see here in a minute, there were things about Joseph that really drew his dad Israel uh, to him, and he demonstrated that love, which means then dad had favor, showed favoritism. And that's not a great environment either. There's nothing worse than being the child that, you know, everybody thinks can't do anything wrong in the home. I mean, that brings problems with the siblings. Amen. And this is as old as Cain and Abel. You hear what I'm saying? The one child's following God and all the parents are praising it. The other one's struggling a little bit and wants to kill the one doing right. Amen. Hadn't changed. So this is a volatile situation that's taking place right now within this uh, uh, thing. So, so we need to understand a few things here. Is that God gives vision to those who will walk in honesty and integrity. Because in this environment... Joseph had a dream. You hear what I'm saying? And so Joseph lived in such a way that, he, that God was able to speak into his life, and so there's a reward for honest living. See, there's a lot of pressure in our culture today, man, to not do things right. You know, just compromise, cave, to do things, you know, that maybe or maybe not, um, you know, just do you know, whatever. The circumstance dictates it's okay. In essence, everything, decisions made based upon a circumstance. But Joseph lived a life a little different. He lived it based upon principle and based upon character. And he did not compromise those things. Now, here's the thing. When you live a righteous life, you will have an enemy. It is the unrighteous. 
So again, you have to get out of fairy tale mentality when it comes to the church, when it comes to you being fitted in the church and you having your purpose for God because the world does not love God. And the world does not want to be your friend. The world wants to get you out of righteousness. Because here's the thing about the unrighteous. They know that they could be righteous, but they compromise, so they hate those who do not. You start showing to work, up or to work early. You stay a little bit late. You do a little bit more than everyone else. And watch how they'll start talking about you. You actually leave the break room and after 15 minutes instead of lingering for another 10. Okay. I mean, I'm talking simplicity. You just do some of this and you'll get some names thrown at you. Because here's the thing. They know they could but they're not willing to. Now, all this stuff that's going on, Joseph is hated by his brothers. I mean, there's conflict galore. But you understand, that doesn't stop God from speaking to you. Yeah, sometimes I, I get concerned about uh, those who are born again when I meet with them, and they're like, I just, I just can't hear God. It's just, just so much going on. You know, God speaks in the midst of chaos. He can speak in the midst of chaos. A lot of times the only reason why we're not hearing is because maybe we're not maintaining righteousness. See, the Bible tells us, according to 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. We need to make sure that our steps are being ordered of the Lord, that we're maintaining the fruits of the Spirit in our life, walking things out in love, keeping ourselves in a righteous position because God always delivers the righteous out of all their trouble. And God doesn't have to get a perfect environment to talk because the righteous can just hear his voice. I said the righteous can hear his voice, which brings this very powerful truth. See, dreams are not birth in perfect environments because dreams are the answer to the chaos. A lot of times, well, if I could just get life right, if I could just do this, if we could just have this, then finally, you know, I, I, we could get somewhere. You know, maybe God, listen, God's going to talk to you in the midst of conflict. Why? Because that is the answer to the conflict. So you, you need a way, you, you got to get out of your mind that if I, if I just get the right spouse, if I just get the right job, if I just get the right house, if I just get the right benefit package, if all this would just like, then things would be okay. Listen, God is birthing dreams and righteous people in the midst of horrible uh, conflict and environments and birthing destiny in them. Why? Because they are the answer to the problem. Amen. And here's someone at a young age called Joseph that was able to hear a dream. See, dreams thrive in conflict because they were birthing them. Dreams thrive in conflict because that is the atmosphere by which they were birthed. Amen. Martin Luther King Jr. did not say his speech, I have a dream, when everything was good. No, no, we didn't, we didn't declare our independence when everything was okay with the monarchy. No, no, no. There are things that happen in the midst of 
challenging situations where all of a sudden God is saying, you're the answer. And even though the conflict rages on, you have the seed of purpose and destiny in you. And if you'll stay to it, you'll be the deliverer. Wow. Dr. Miles went on to say this, when you know and understand what you were born to accomplish, this is purpose. When you can see it in your mind by faith and begin to imagine it, that is vision. When God began to birth in me the things that he showed me, and honestly, the first time that I got a dream from God, the first time that I received a vision from God is when I was in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, my wife and I, honestly, I thought I had figured out life, okay? Um, so I'm in Atlanta because God sent me there. That's the only reason we went. And so I'm there. I had employment. Uh, I was on a track to be this computer programmer. I was an operator at the time. They were two weeks away from sending me to Boston so I could be trained uh, in programming under a new uh, particular system. Um, and so as a result of that, I am literally pulling out the Atlanta Constitution, looking at the jobs that computer programmers are, are, are being asked, and there were plenty of them that people needed in their corporations. And starting salaries, six-figure. And I'm like, God has blessed me. Right? I got this thing figured out. I came here because God told me to come here, and because he's going to reward me. Right? He's going to reward me. And so I got a wife. I got two boys. And I'm heading to work because I got to you know, do a second shift shutdown. I worked first shift. I had to do a second shift. You know, we were bringing all the uh, companies in that night to, to do some data processing. You know, everything was coming to our mainframe, and I had to run a bunch of reports and stuff. And so I'm going, on, going in. I'm just thanking God. I'm praying. I'm just like, man, my life is so awesome. I'm looking at the houses there, you know, in Atlanta and Marietta and all these places. Man, these are big homes, right? Because in Florida, you don't get basements. They had basements. So it's like you buy a house and got two houses. It was amazing, right? And my wife, I could just see her in this brick hall, man, with a white picket fence, you know, and we got the extra uh, house in the basement. You know, I get me a little man cave or something, whatever that is, right? And, you know, I'm just like, I'm dreaming dreams, man. I'm like, this is awesome. I, I'm on my own road, right? And I'm just thanking the oh, Lord, you're so good. Thanking, I'm praising him, and I'm thankful about where my life's at. Then all of a sudden, as I leave uh, uh, I-75 and I get onto the 285, you know, on-ramp to be able to get over to another section in Atlanta, I was in this Ford Ranger, and my windshield disappeared, just gone. And I saw myself like this from the back. And there were a sea of people. I mean, I couldn't even count them all. That's what I saw. And in that image, I knew in my spirit that God called me to preach the Word of God. I began to cry, you know, and I didn't have 10 windows like my truck is right now. And so, you know, anybody could have saw me, and I'm just crying and crying. I'm like, my life has been shocked because what I thought I was doing, God has shown me my purpose. Now, here's the thing. Nobody in my family was called to preach. Nobody even knew how to start this deal. Nothing. Think about a dream is sometimes you need to say, okay, Lord, I'll wait for the next step. But me, where I was at, you know, because I was a little more sight-led than I was spirit-led, because I wouldn't even feel with the Holy Ghost at the time. 
And so I just took some natural things and thought, well, if you're called to ministry, then you got to go get trained. And so I heard about a school in Columbia, South Carolina, and I, and, and within a month, had packed up my whole family, and boom, we're gone. We're gone. So I had more than t- two kids. I had uh, my daughter, but she had just been born. Just been born. And I'm that guy. Get up and go. No job, no nothing. Just take off. Here we are. But that thing in me has always stayed with me. And I, even though I made wrong choices, like going to that school, not that the school was bad per se, it just wasn't where God needed me to go. That's not where he wanted me. So I made a move that wasn't great and had to repent of that. And God finally got me on track and got me to the place I need to be that ultimately gets me to where I'm at right now. And as a result of that, it all started with this one thing. Now, you may not get a visual dream, but you may just get something drop in your spirit. And if you'll grab hold of that, nothing can stop you. It didn't matter that I didn't have family. It didn't matter that I didn't, couldn't go to someone and say, how do you do this? It didn't matter. Ultimately, God, as I would listen to him, would God and direct me. Now, if you are in a place where somebody's gone down a road and they can begin to show you, praise God for that. Because believe you me, if I had a mentor, I'd have totally took one. But the reality is, is even if I had a mentor, I would always have to check what they said to make sure that's where God wanted me to go and how God wanted me to do it. But I did know this, and from time and time and time again, that one vision, that one dream would propel me to go. Even at times, I'm like, I'm done. I'm quitting. I'm not going to do this anymore. It's over. I'm finished. I'll just go find a job. I mean... I'm just going to become, I was in the National Guard, Army National Guard here in Florida. I'm like, I'll just go and become a warrant officer. I'll climb the ranks. I got family in there. I'll get up there. No problem. I'm smart enough to do it. Then two or three days later, that fire and that call of God's in your life burning and eating on you, and you're like, ah, no, I'm not doing this, right? I'm not quitting. I'm, I'm going to keep on. Why? Because I cannot cut myself off from me. And the only one who can stop it is me. Have I had things try to get in my way? Have I had opposition? Yes. Maybe not to the extent that we're going to see with Joseph's life, but there's been a lot of types and shadows that have taken place. And again, I'll say this again just in, um, uh, because we mentioned this not too long ago, but when I was in India the last time, I was standing at a school, and I was standing up teach, uh, ministering just like this again, looking like this, to a whole bunch of students, I don't know, I think it was about 1,200 guys, ministering to them, and they had taken a picture and posted it online. And when I saw it, I heard the Holy Ghost say, the reason why you couldn't see the faces is because it was never a one-time event. See, I kept thinking, have I got to that place to where what I saw in the vision, this is that crowd? And the Lord's like, that was never a crowd it is a position you'll look like in front of many people, whether it's one or whether it's 100,000, doesn't matter. It's the combination of all the people that you'll ever stand in front of and preach. And I didn't get that till you know, 20-something years later, that interpretation. All the while, you know, because when I went to India, Pastor Marcus and I went to India, I think 20-something um, and I'm standing on this huge platform 20 feet up. You fall off that platform, you die. <laughs> Somebody going to have to raise you from the dead, right? Anyway, I'm up there, and there's like 10,000 people, and I was thinking, is this that thing? I felt like there was more people, but there's a lot of people out there. I mean, it's hard to see the ones at the end. 
Ah, but your purpose is bigger than you. Man, it's bigger than you. See, when we get over one into Genesis chapter 37, we see that Joseph has this dream, and when he has this dream, he begins to communicate this dream, and he tells his brothers, right? You know, he has two separate dreams, and he communicates it to them, and honest, honestly, they were not well with it, okay? I'm paraphrasing because I don't have time to talk about it. You can read this whole Genesis account yourself. This is what we know. When you get a vision inside you, you can't help but talk about it. You just can't help but talk. It's because it's bigger than you anyway. You're going to talk about it. You're going to say something. Joseph says something to him, and it says his brothers hated him all the more. He gets another dream. You think he would have learned, but well, don't tell the brothers. They, you know, they already hate me. Now they really hate me because the dream means they'll bow down to me one day, right? I mean, I'm going to be in some kind of authority that they're going to have to submit to. Now, Joseph could have believed this is the business because he's already being set for that. And we'll see that here in a second. But he gets that other dream and he doesn't hold back. He continues to minister or speak that vision out. He begins to say it. So again, when you get a vision from God, you can't help but talk about it. Let me tell you, if you're not talking it, maybe you don't have it yet. Because when you get it, you'll talk it, you'll talk it. You'll talk it. Now, I didn't talk about the vision I had in Atlanta. I just knew I had a call. So no matter where I went, it didn't matter what role I was playing in the church in the places that God assigned me. And it was, I ain't been in a whole lot of churches. Okay? I was not a church hopper. Because once I got that and I started getting to, getting to hear God, he, when I got back to Florida after the mistake in South Carolina, I have only been to three churches. I got connected to the one that put me over into Ramah. I was connected at Ramah, and then I went on staff with Pastor David Emi, and now I'm here. So the first one got me to Ramah. The second one is Ramah. It's where I was trained. The third one's because God said, you're not ready to pioneer that church. You need to go get on staff, and he sent me to Sand Springs, Oklahoma. And then from passing that test, he said, now it's time to go. And now I'm here in St. Augustine, and I've been here for 15 years. Hallelujah. And there's many more years to come because this vision has barely scratched the surface. Hallelujah. So you understand this. Anytime you have a vision from God, there will be resistance. There's going to be resistance. You know, don't think that to me, man, you know what God did to me last night? You know what God spoke to me last night? Don't think about it. It's going to be like, oh, this is so wonderful, amazing. I mean, if you think you're going to get just a bunch of encouragers and likes on Facebook and Instagram and everybody's going to tell you how awesome you are and then we're so excited God's doing something in your life. <laughs> no, a true one from God is going to have resistance. And typically, you meet it the next day. <laughs> Amen? You meet it the next day. Why? Because those who don't have dreams are jealous of those who do. We continue on. We understand that his father then, when we get to verses 18 to 24, and then dropping down to 27 and 28, and we get this context. We see that dad says, hey, listen, the boys are out you know, with the flock, and I need you to go check in on them, see how they're doing. Because here's the thing. He would bring a bad report about his brothers, meaning in the very beginning, the very first part of this chapter, if dealings weren't right in business, Joseph was honest about it. He had integrity. 
And he would even say, listen, I don't care that you're my brother. You didn't do business right, and I got to tell dad. I got to tell dad, come on, man, you're my brother. You got cover for me. No, there's a God bigger than you. A lot of times we want to cover for natural family instead of understanding we're a supernatural family, and that father's more important. Amen. Amen. And he wouldn't cover for him. So guess what? He's being set up to take over the family business. So again, maybe, maybe Joseph in his dream was thinking, I'm going to take over the family business, dad, because one of them was that dad and mom would bow down. In essence, you're going to hand over the business. I would obviously take care of the family because this is what we do, and I'm going to cause it to prosper, and I'll be able to take care of everyone. That's what I'll be able to do. So he goes to check in on his brothers, and when they see him from a distance, why? Because he's wearing love. I said he's wearing love. Man, when you walk in the love of God, people see it, and they just want to rip it off you. Have you ever gone to work walking in love, and they try to rip it off you? Right? They see your coat of many colors. You think that you're not wearing a coat of many colors. Yes, you are when you're walking in the love of God. It shines through. I said it shines through. And man, people who are not walking in the love of God, the first thing they're thinking is let's rip that off them. Because when you walk in the love of God, then you'll stay connected to the vision of God. And man, when they saw him at a distance and saw the love on him, they said, let's kill this guy. And let's see what happens to his dreams, which tells us this. When you get a dream from God, there will be people who will want to kill you. And honestly, in some locations of the world, if you're called, that's literal. Now, I'm not saying that it doesn't happen here. There's no telling how many things God has thwarted in the spirit because of us praying and praying in the spirit. There have been ministers right here in our own nation where people have come in the church and begin to try to attack them or hit them or fire at them, and God protected them. Yes. Amen. I mean, we're not promised not to be martyred, but we are promised to fulfill our purpose. Yes. Amen. If we'll stay with it. And so here's this guy, man. He's moving. He's going. And, and just because he has a, a, a dream, a vision, there's people who want to kill him. And this is what you need to understand. Sometimes your first enemy will be within your family. Will be within your family. I know from my wife, who never exhibited enemy status, but when I first told her about the dream, she said this out of her mouth. This was the first resistance, right? I didn't marry a pastor. And my response was, apparently you did. <laughs> I'm shocked myself. <laughs> because my wife has already done that trip with me, meaning she, we were in church, we dedicated our lives to God, we were following him, and when I finished a tour of duty with the army and it was ending and we were praying about where to go, I got in my spirit we were supposed to go to Atlanta. So I packed us up and we looked like the, the Beverly Hillbillies from Florida going to Georgia. Literally, all packed up on a truck. <laughs> Look rough. Amen. And so she's seen me leave a place without a job, with nothing promised. To hear the voice of God, yet to see that God works it out. Amen. But then when he throws the ministry card, ah, 
Well, that's only because, you know, at the time when you think of ministry, she started thinking, the, the pastor's wife has to play the piano and sing. <laughs> Unfortunately, there was an error that that seemed to be the case. But not all pastor's wives are called to sing and play the piano. Amen. She had yet to find out the plan that God had for her. And wow, how awesome that's been. Amen. And we've all reaped the benefit of that. But there are people within your family, extended sometimes, that don't understand. My father-in-law at the time thought I was crazy and would give us advice. You, you are making a mistake. You are, what are you doing? Where are you going? You got to take care of your family. How, you don't even have insurance. You don't have a stable job. You don't have a dad. You don't have a, he didn't realize I had a stable father that had a vision for me. Now, because I followed and we followed, eventually his own daughter led him to the Lord. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad you stayed with vision? Because it affects other people's lives. So you got to understand that, listen, just because we have something, there's going to be attacks. Things are going to come. You understand? you got to recognize that. And because of that, they hated him so much they were going to kill him, but instead God intervened. Why? Because when you have a true vision from God, God will protect you and the dream. So instead of killing him, they sell him as a slave. And here's the thing. Sometimes for your vision to come to pass, you're going to have to learn to thrive beyond your household. You're going to have to learn how to believe God without mom and dad funding. Without running to somebody within the family to take care of something. Now, there's nothing wrong with doing stuff. I love to do things for my children. I'm just saying sometimes God will require you potentially to relocate away from family just so your vision can show up. And you've got to be open to do it. Because when I was traveling, pursuing God and doing the things of God, I wasn't around my mom, wasn't around my sister and brother. Wasn't, my wife wasn't around them. We didn't have extended family to watch our kids or any of those things. But the day came that God brought us back, and now we're connected, and we can do more for them today than we could have ever done if we had never left the nest. In Genesis 39, we begin to see that Joseph is sold to be a slave, right? And so what he does is he, he uh, is sold off and he gets into another man's house. I said he's sold off to go to another man's house. Right? And he's there because there were dream killers in his life. His brothers were dream killers. Their thought was, if we can get him away, what can become of his dream? See, the enemy will try to put you in situations to get you away in such, a, in such a distance or so remote that you're thinking, how in the world could this ever come to pass? Listen, God doesn't always ordain a road. God knows an attack's pending. God may not stop you from walking through the valley of the shadow of death because he didn't bring the valley in the first place. But he will get you through it. Yes. Amen. Amen. Some of us have made our, taken our own detours. I went to Columbia, South Carolina, not because God sent me, but because it was rational thinking in my mind. So I went down a road God never ordained, 
and the enemy accommodated me when I showed up. <laughs> it was in that time that my wife broke the cycle of divorce. Yeah, because unfortunately, growing up, you know, there had been a cycle with her, her mom. And again, people live where they live based upon what they know. You understand what I'm saying? So again, we're not here saying anyone's done anything wrong. We're just saying people are responding based upon what they know. Don't you know you lived a way that now that you know God, you're like, I never would have made that decision had I known God. So I'm not here saying something was wrong. I'm just saying it was there. And here I have my wife in a location that God never sent us. And we don't have, I mean, we were worse than poor. There's not a word for what we were. Okay? But you might not have known it. But it was there. And mentally it was there. And it was in that place my wife broke off divorce. She said, I won't leave him. I'll stay committed. Whew. Wow. See, there are certain places we get in that certain things have got to just continually break off if you're going to do the plan of God. You can't, you can't carry plan B into your purpose. You can't carry plan B into your purpose. Well, if this don't work, then I'll just do this. God doesn't have a plan B for your life. You have plan B, C, and D. And then you'll have to stand before God, and you'll have to give an account for plan B, C, and D. But he'll judge you based upon plan A. All right, that's better than I'm getting the shouts, but that's true. Because those who are living it know it, because you've had plan B, C, and D, and you've burned them at the altar. Hallelujah. All right, let's try to move a little faster because I'm getting a whole... I knew, I'd make, I knew God would make it personalized for tonight. Genesis chapter 29, we get into verse 1 and 10. Again, he sold off to a man, and guess what? Man, this guy becomes super successful, right? He's working and doing things. But now, all accounts, he's no longer the CEO or, or grooming for CEO of the family business. He is a slave. So let me put it this way. He's been reduced to an employee, but not voluntarily, but been promoted to manager. But his life is owned by somebody. So we got to understand that, listen, before the dream is fulfilled, there will be levels of success along the way. That's going to happen. Before you ever get to yours, you're got, you'll get in places that, in essence, the enemy is going to try to help cultivate an alternative plan that looks good and wants you to buy into. He'll want you to buy into. You hear me? Then... He'll bring daily distractions in an attempt to keep you from fulfilling it. And these distractions will become competitive alternatives to your dream. They will be competitive alternatives to your dream. And the intent of these highly beautiful opportunities is the enemy's attempt to get you to commit adultery on your dream. Because Joseph goes to a man's house, causes the man's house to prosper. What he did in dad's house, he did in this man's house as a slave because who he is is who he is no matter where he is. I'm going to say that again. Who he is is who he is no matter where he is. 
See, I'm not a better pastor because I am in the pastoral role. I've been a pastor. In essence, John Cantrell is with us today because I pastored him at Hilti. See, I was a pastor because that's who I was, and I knew that. I knew I was passing through. But while I'm there, I might as well be an example. While I'm there, I might as well live God. While I'm there, I might as well influence because this paycheck isn't what's motivating me. Their 401K is not motivating me. Their, their um, health insurance is not motivating me because the destiny is motivating me. So I operated in the role even though I was hired at work because ultimately this place can't hold the vision in me. But there are competitive alternatives. And Joseph was, was, was every day the wife, the wife kept coming and wanted to sleep with him. Now, you understand, Joseph at this point could have said, why not? I mean, God gave me a dream. My brothers hated me. They betrayed me. They really wanted to kill me. I begged for my life down in the pit. They ended up selling me as a slave. I was only worth about, you know, 30 pieces of silver or however much they actually sold him for. You know, that's all I'm worth to them? Talking about getting bitter on the road somewhere. I mean, I get, there's people that get upset just because you don't smile at them. You didn't smile at me at service today. Woo, destiny's going to be a hard thing to come by. I said, destiny's going to be a hard thing to come by. Are you with me? Are you with me? Okay. Destiny's going to be a hard thing to come by. But man, he could have been, you know what? I'm not going home. I'm a slave. I've been sold this way, you know? I mean, why not? He ain't here. But you know what I loved about Joseph? He says to her, he said, listen, your husband's giving me charge over everything. There's nothing that I don't have charge over except for you, his wife, and besides, that would be a sin against my God. Notice he didn't say, that's wrong. I shouldn't do that to him. He's been good to me. See, if you're only trying to do something for another person, you're going to compromise. But his life wasn't even about the master. It was about the father. Well, you know what happens. He goes in and she grabs hold of him because she's kind of tired that he ain't going to be with her. And so as a result of that, he snatches away and she goes to screaming. And she tells the husband he tried to rape him. So here's the thing. It was honesty and integrity that caused him to have access to a dream in the first place. Now, the very thing that got the dream to show up in his life is the very thing that's being attacked. I'm going to tell you right now, your righteous living that caused God to speak your purpose will be challenged by the world, and they will say you're not who you say you are. And it will go viral. What do I mean by that? It isn't just in the house. You're going to be attacked, and you're going to have to learn how to know who you are even when people are saying you're something different. Many people abandon their dream because they try to defend who they are instead of trusting God to vindicate them. They're too busy getting on Facebook, Snapchat, uh, Instagram, and commenting to the comments that are saying they are something. I'm not like that. That's not who I am. I'll meet. You want to talk to me? Let's have a meeting. 
Amen. Joseph went to prison. I said Joseph went to prison. Amen. So he gets there, and obviously he's been given charge of the whole facility. We know this. And he's taking care of it. He's doing the, the job and um, obviously tending to people. And so here he comes through one day, and he sees a prisoner, a cupbearer, and he seems pretty sad. And Joseph says, hey, what's going on in your life? Notice that when you know what you're called to do, no matter what, you'll always take care of the needs of others over yourself. You won't have this mentality. Because don't you think Joseph could have done this? What's wrong with you? Man, you know, I just had a bad dream. <laughs> you having bad dreams? Let me tell you about a bad life, bro. You think you got it bad? I mean, I was, I was being groomed to take over the family business. And my brothers hated me and threw me in a pit and wanted to kill me, but instead sold me as a slave. Then I got stuck in a man's house, only prospered his house. I mean, that's all I did was make him prosperous. Shouldn't have been there in the first place. Should have been prospering my own father's house. But no, my brothers wanted to kill me. You understand? I had a bad upbringing. You understand? I had... I've been a victim from a childhood. Don't talk to me about who you are. I wasn't raised on the right side. I ain't been in the king's palace like you. I ain't been raised up around a king. No, I've been stuck over here. You going to talk to me? And then when I only do everything right for this guy, his wife starts pursuing me, and I only live godly. I don't want to be with her. I could have been with her. I could have done that. He would have never known, man. And by God, why not? I mean, I just only heard from God, and where's it got me? Now I'm stuck in this prison, accused of rape. And you're going to tell me you had a bad dream. <laughs> Shut up, please. Here's your napkin. Let's go on. No. He was like, what's going on? He said, man, I had this dream. He said, well, tell me. So he tells him the dream, and he interprets the dream. Wow. The guy on the other cell says, I had a dream too. He interprets that one. That one wasn't too good. But both came to pass. Amen. And in this moment is the only moment that we hear Joseph say, now listen, I'm just looking for some representative, someone to represent. I really shouldn't be here. And since you're going to the one in authority, maybe you let him know that I shouldn't be here. Could you do that maybe for me? And this is what we know. Sometimes God will put a divine connection in your life and you'll want them to do something for you immediately so your dream can come to pass. But they'll just forget about you until the appointed time. So don't devalue some of these contacts you come across that you know they could do something. They could help. They could sow to this cause. They could be a part of training and mentoring me. They could be a part of helping me get this started. And you talk about it. And the next thing you know, they fall off the grid and you don't hear from them again. Why? Because God has a divine appointment for them to remember you. And sure enough, one day Pharaoh has a dream and he's troubled by it. He gets his wisest men, the double PhDs. They've gone to all the Egyptian universities. He's brought them in. He says, I've had a dream. Let me tell you what it is. And he tells them, it's just bothering me. And here's the second one. I had another one right after it. And here it is. It's bothering me. What is it? And they're like, uh, hmm, nah. So the cupbearer comes in, you know, and he wipes the cup and takes a little sip because that was his job. He goes to hand it to the king, Pharaoh, that is. And he says, I know a guy. I know a guy. 
And he says, tell me. He says, there's a guy in prison right now, a Hebrew. And two years ago, you threw me and the baker in prison. And I had a dream, and he interpreted my dream, and he interpreted the baker's dream, and it came out exactly. And Pharaoh says, stop it all. Go get the prisoner. Now, that title doesn't sound like that's a leader. But it's amazing where God will pull a leader who will listen to the Holy Ghost. Man. A person who will stay in integrity, who won't compromise their character, who will use their gift when they were in the family business, who used that same gift when they were a slave to a master, who used that gift when they were a prisoner to a warden. He never withheld his gift in whatever environment he was in. You know, many people's dreams don't come to pass because they begin to withhold their gift in a different environment. Because they start getting this, what about me? When am I going to get my time? When's it going to happen for me? When's it going to happen for me? Same thing right here at Anchor Bay Church. Ignite the city, impact the nation, influence the world. We talk about vision all the time. We talk about doing this part, this part, and this part. And sometimes, like, what about me? What about me? You just be faithful in the environment you're in right now because I'm telling you, God's making a way for your gift. Your gift will make room for you. Things will move and shift so your gift can come out. All you got to do is maintain righteousness in the process because nobody can stop your destiny. Nobody. And there are some roads you're going to go down in this thing called destiny that you're going to say, I never would have picked this for yourself. And maybe you wouldn't. And even God himself may not have picked that, but knew there were people in the world that were going to try to hinder it. But he knew there was enough in you if you just stay faithful to his word and his way of living, then he'll pull you out on the other side. And this is one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life, man. Such great character. This guy shows up, stands before the king, all cleaned up, and the king looks at him and he says, I hear you interpret dreams. He says, I don't, God does. Tell me your dream. He tells him the dream. At this point, the minute he hears the dream, and inside him he knows, I know what this means. Talking about character. Joseph does not go now, Pharaoh. Before I let you know what's going down, I need you to write a decree that you're going to free me based upon me giving you the right interpretation. Because I should not be in prison for raping another person. In fact, I have a family in another land, and I have not seen them for quite some time. So I'm 30 years old now, and I've been gone about 13 years. When the man had the ability to negotiate his release, he doesn't even mention it. Why? Because he knew, you actually don't have authority over me. Because if I, when I need to come out, God will bring me out. So without bargaining, he says, this is what your dream means and interprets the dream. But there's more. Not only does he interpret the dream, he could have said, there's the dream, and turned away and went back to jail, and would have, if he had not done the next action. And the next action, I believe without a shadow of a doubt, caused Pharaoh to maybe take a breath, to be in amazement, because he knows who he's brought out. 
He knows. I am the governing authority. I am the final say in my country. You are not even of my country. You're not even of my citizenship. You told me the dream, and now you're going to give me the answer so that we will not suffer during the seven years of famine and never negotiated a release, which proved to him this guy genuinely cares for this nation as much as I do. There's no selfish motive in him. None. How could he exhibit any selfish motive to give him the answer to come out without the promise of a release? The he knows and the king knows. I could have eased, I could easily send him back for the crime he is and never listen to his name again, use this plan and get all the credit for it and let everybody honor me. He was so blown away by that, he says, there is nobody as wise. Because Joseph said, find a man. Wow. So he makes him the head. Now, here's the thing, guys. You need to get this. Seven years of plenty, and Joseph is racking up. Are y'all with me? He's racking up the funds. So much so they quit counting. It's like, just put it over there. <laughs> just put it over there. All right. I mean, if you put it in this, it's probably this, right? We just can't count. We have so much now. Don't you think after the first three, four, five years, five years, that he is, he is exhibiting economic conquest, that he could have gone to Pharaoh and said, Hey, I miss my dad, my mom. I ain't seen them in a while. You think I could take the weekend and head over and see them? He never asked to go home. He said, Pastor, why didn't he ask? Because he knew he didn't have to leave. They'd come to him. Because the vision had, he knew I'm in the place of authority. This is what the dream meant. I don't have to go home. They're coming to me. Many people are not getting the fulfillment of their vision because they start to go back home when only part of it has manifested. And lose the very authority that they have. Think if Joseph would have went home year six. What do you think his brothers would have thought? Big deal. Big shot. Who cares? Think it would have been a family welcome? No, because they're doing fine. It's not till the famine hits that all of a sudden their dad's like, I hear there is a guy in Egypt. We're in trouble. And there's a guy. Go see him. 
And in his 38 year, 38 years, right? He's 38 years old. The brothers show up. And what did they do when they saw Joseph? And dream one comes to pass. Wow. Now we know that Joseph maintained integrity because he totally could have done some terrible things there. He sends them all home, but one, because he wants to see his brother, and then pay, gives the money back, and dad gets all upset, thinking, I have no way I'm going to send him, and then they end up sending him, right? And ultimately, he reveals himself to his brothers, and then he says, go get dad, and then dad showed up with the family, and they all bowed down, and Joseph took care of his family. Now, do you think that... His vision has arrived. But then you'd miss exactly what happened. See, vision, when we get from God, goes beyond our lifetime. You should be operating in something that when you leave planet Earth, should the Lord tarry, something should continue on. At the end of Joseph's life, because his brothers had truly repented, he looked to his brothers and said, Now listen, one day we're leaving. We're not going to be in this land anymore. When we go, when we go, why did he know this? Because our great-grandfather was given a land that he said we would possess. Because he told Grandpa, Isaac, and Dad used to tell us, when we were out in that land, we're not staying here. We're going to go to the land God's told us we'd have. And when we go, you take my bones with you. Now, they multiplied so much there. And off the wealth that Joseph had, they had more wealth. But then they began to make them slaves, as you know. And as a result of that, 432 years later, they finally leave Egypt. And all the wealth that Jesus, Egypt had was off the seed that Joseph produced. When they plundered Egypt, it was, out of the, it was from the fruit of the seed that Joseph started. But it gets better. They cross the Red Sea, get into the wilderness. They are the wealthiest nation in 24 hours. And can do nothing with their wealth. Can't go shopping. Because it was never meant for them. What's so awesome about this destiny that God births in us is that here all of a sudden they have all this money and the Lord doesn't say, I'm going to give you some bread, I'm going to give you some mammon, I'm going to provide for you. And listen, when you go to collect it, you're going to bring an offering to me and pay for the bread. Didn't pay for the bread. Didn't pay for the quail. Didn't pay for the water. Didn't pay for their clothes. Because they didn't have to worry about what they're going to eat, what they're going to drink, what they're going to have to wear because they were in the kingdom. But then the Lord shows up one day and says, Moses, take up an offering. Because this offering is going to build a tabernacle. And I want you to build a tabernacle so that I can come down and be with my people. A true vision of God will bring God down 
to the earth through you to touch the world. See, Joseph's destiny was not just taking care of his immediate family, his new wife in Egypt and his two boys. No, it went beyond his, his us four no more, went beyond his home address, not only into his, his own family that eventually produced a whole nation of people, but more importantly, it brought God's presence before the people. Anything you put your hand to should bring God's presence to the people. Business owners, are you praying over your business? I'm not talking about so to be prosperous for you. I'm talking about are you walking around the outside of your business? Are you looking over your profit loss? Are you looking at this thing, whatever service you have, and saying, Lord, I thank you that the anointing's there. And Father, I may not be able to hire everybody that's born again, but whomever you give me, I'm going to be the light of Jesus. Some of our employees are going to get born again. They're going to come into the kingdom of God. They're going to be lives changed. And out of this house, out of this place, people are going to show up, and they are going to see the plant. Why in the world is Chick-fil-A called God's chicken? They are known. There's nothing you should be doing that people shouldn't start associating the presence of God. I don't care if you work at a factory. I don't care if you work at the school. Wherever you are, the temple of the Holy Ghost. You are today's dispensation tabernacle. And the purpose God has for your life is so that wherever you go, the presence of God shows up. The presence of God shows up, reigns in righteousness. Wow. What a destiny. What a destiny we have. Is that no matter where we're at, if we'll live it right, we'll bring God with us and we'll show the world God through us. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we praise you. We thank you. You're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And you're so good.